This is episode 168 of the Focused Mindset Podcast. Today, you're going to listen in on a conversation I had with Dawn Mann. She's the founder of New Dawn's Training. She has a specialty in training adults on how they can be more data-driven, especially people that are in the education field, counselors who want to infuse hope into their own practice. And you know, when I saw her at a conference and she was speaking about hope, my ears perked up and I had to ask her onto the podcast. This is a conversation you don't want to miss. If you want to learn more about Dawn, check the show notes. You can find her over at newdawntraining.com. This is the first of two episodes where you're going to hear this entire conversation. We talked for a while, and I did not want you to miss a single second of it. So enjoy this first part of my conversation with the amazing Dawn Mann. This is a podcast where you learn how to build stronger connections and have better conversations using the solution-focused approach. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a solution-focused life coach, and each week we learn new strategies so that we can build our families strong and be the person that we were always meant to be. You can learn more about our products and services by going to thefocusedmindset.com or hop over to Amazon to get 30 Days to Higher Hopes. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Today I have a wonderful guest. I have Dawn Mann here, and she does some wonderful work on helping our kids have hope and teaching counselors how to do the same. And welcome, Dawn. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you, Cheryl. I'm so glad to be here with you also. This is really exciting. Well, I just, first of all, want to hear about how you got into being excited about sharing the possibilities of helping people build their hope and where it's led you today? Oh, that's a really, really good question. I think the, um, the hope, the, the science of hope, I should say, um, kind of came into my atmosphere maybe about a year ago. And I was really intrigued. Um, the whole root cause analysis piece about why we see something happening with our students um, has intrigued me for many, many years. And, and learning more about the science of hope, and we can talk about what that means in just a little bit, uh, was just really interesting in terms of when students have higher levels of hope, that their ability to perform and achieve and um, learn the things that they need to learn and pursue what they want to pursue successfully just really uh, was intriguing to me. So what were you doing before that, that led you up to kind of like, know that that aha moment was uh, going to happen when you just learned about the whole hope theory and all that? But any tool that um, allows me to, to move with more integrity and with more intention in terms of helping students achieve, then I'm, I'm always interested in that. So I like a, um, a, a comprehensive toolbox and I like a full toolbox. 
um, because sometimes you don't know exactly which tool you need to utilize. So the more you have, and then the more you know about those tools, then you can really build programming and activities and instruction that uh, benefit students positively. Yeah, you know, I went the whole when I first started counseling, I overheard a teacher once in the lounge. It was actually my first day. And I overheard a teacher as I walked in and, you know, I'm a new counselor. So I'm so excited about meeting everybody. And this teacher said, oh, I heard we have a new counselor, but I don't bother referring. They don't do any, it doesn't do any good anyway. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, I mean, my mind was like, what? So that was years ago, but it Mm -hmm. definitely changed my, it started my career off saying, I always Mm. want to worry about the outcome. What is the outcome of what I'm doing? And being very mindful of the fact that I'm just not being a listening ear. I want to be able to help them move the needle towards whatever their obstacle is. And, um, and I think that's why, uh, the hope, the science of hope and all of that rings true with me as a counselor and why I focus on the solution focused approach, because then we see what works and we see that if it works, then we're going to keep doing it. Right. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, That's really unfortunate. (laughs) I think I think the other part of that is it's not unusual, especially when um, people aren't aware of what you're doing. And um, and so that can be something that's detrimental. The solution focus piece, um, focusing on student outcomes and then talking about your program and your activities and your instruction and, and what you're doing makes a, a huge difference in the school counseling life. Yeah, it really does. And I have no idea what had happened before I got there to have her, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have that mindset. But I think that it's a common mindset that teachers and all even parents are like, oh, well, do I need to refer them to the counselor? Or do you think they really have to have help? And I look at it as a privilege. I'm thinking, man, you know, we come together and we work for the greater good of a student. I mean, it's, I feel like, wow, I hope it's the first thing. That's kind of my goal in my schools is that I create a culture where when they come in the, in the classroom, it's like they won the lottery. If I'm going to call them, I'll be like, oh my gosh, it's your turn. And they'll be like, (laughs) yay. Can you please take me? Can you take me? And, you know, because it doesn't need to be uh, a stigma. You know, Mental mm-hmm. Health Awareness Month is coming up here and we don't need a stigma around us saying there's going to be some blocks here and there and we can uh, work together to work past those things. Right. Right. I mean, right. that's kind of why we all get in the field. But right. um, but, you know, I mean, we do want the outcomes and we do want to be able to know that what we do is making a difference. And what yes. can you say to before we even get into hope, what can you say to parents and families that do still kind of struggle with the concept of us all working together with as mental health professionals to help kids um, be their best? Um, I would say that the best approach is a comprehensive approach. And, and the key to that, though, is is understanding everyone's roles and how what they are skilled in or what they are experts in, 
how all of those different attributes come together to make sure that students have exactly what they need in order to be successful. And um, so sometimes it really depends on who you need at the table, but it's just critical to understand the scope of everyone's role and skills so that you really can have a comprehensive approach to making, making sure that students are successful. I mean, that is really important when you think about it. It's not as if one person is less important than the other. And, right. um, you know, and parents come in um, feeling all kinds, all kinds of certain types of ways when they've been called in to talk. But sometimes all of us need to come to say, you know, we're looking for the greater good of this little human. And that's where our heart needs to be in order to really help everyone be on the same table. You know, they have a role. We have a role. Every person on at that table has a role to play, mm-hmm. including the student, really. <laughs> including the student. Yeah. Yep. Because it really is a comprehensive, it's a comprehensive process. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how, um, how have you seen, especially lately, since you've been diving into a lot more training and all that, how have you seen the idea of building hope change the landscape of how you've been training and teaching in the last year? I know that you probably read uh, the same book that I did, Hope Rising. It's amazing. I, mm-hmm. I encourage everyone to get it. It talks so much about the importance of us uh, helping children not only be resilient, but hopeful. So I guess I'm interested in finding out how you've shifted, how you've made that shift to uh, leaning on hope so much. I. It's one of those concepts that when, for me, when I learned about it and started reading about it, I thought, oh, this just makes sense um, because it, the, the premise of it. And so let me, let me give that to um, everyone. Hope is, hope consists of really three components or um, areas and it's our ability to set goals and our ability to design pathways to achieve those goals and our ability to get started, to move toward achieving those goals. But there's another really important component to that and it's our ability to navigate barriers. And so when just hearing that, I thought, well, that makes a lot of sense because that's how we persevere. That's how we achieve. If we know how to focus on a goal, if we can identify what we want and think about the various options and pathways that we have in order to achieve that goal, and then the agency or the mindset or the willpower with which to get started so that we can achieve that goal, um, that's critical. But where people will normally stick themselves is if they can do those things, but then run into a barrier. Because if you don't know how to um, use the system to support your um, to, to support your success or your achievements or the, the things that you want, if you are not familiar with um, figuring out or understanding where your resources lie, who you can talk to, what you can look up, then it becomes really easy to find yourself stuck and unable to move and push forward. So just at the onset, just looking at that, it really, it resonated because it made 
sense. I thought everything that I've done or every um, single task that I've accomplished, everything that I've achieved started off with a goal or a task, you know, an, an objective, and then understanding what I needed to do to move toward achieving it, and then understanding how to navigate barriers, and then understanding what needs to happen with me in order to make progress on that goal. And um, when I thought about that, too, and then started looking at what the research tells us about how students and people in general with high hope experience the, the various levels of success, again, it makes sense to me because the biggest thing is being able to get started and then also knowing how to navigate barriers. And I just I I thought that's something that we need to infuse in our school counseling curriculum at all times. There are so many times, and so I'll, I'll just back up and give this little detail. I was in, a, in high schools for 17 and a half years as a school counselor. There were so many times when students would come in to talk about a problem or an issue or something that's going on. And I'll say, OK, let's brainstorm some options and let's talk about how we can you know, move forward or or kind of uh, come up with some solutions. Let's talk about options. There's not one time in the 17 and a half years that any student looked at me and said, hmm, you know what? I could have done this or maybe I could try this or maybe I could try that. All the time, it was, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And in the time that they, that I asked that question, in the time that they responded, I'm not sure, I, I would have at least four or five options for them. <laughs> but the whole purpose of that, though, was not for me to spoon feed them options. We would end up kind of talking about them, uh, talking about the various options. But it's the ability to think about uh, what you can do to move forward with some pathways to actually achieve whatever it is that you need to achieve. Yeah. And um, there's so many times when I talk to educators and and I talk and I ask, what is it that what what are the characteristics of a successful high school graduate or a student transitioning from middle school to um to high school, you know, fifth grade to middle school. One of the characteristics that comes up without fail is the ability to set goals and the ability to um, problem solve. And then I say, well, what are we doing in the school to actually teach students that? Because it's one of those things that we will um, talk about just in general, students need to know how to problem solve. Students need to know how to set goals. But the very intentional work of that is not always present. And um, so that all of those components and um, experiences put together just really, really made it important for me to start including um, the conversation about hope in all that I do and also looking at it as a root cause analysis piece and then thinking about how we can just infuse that into our tier one program just really spoke to me. Yeah, it really does because um, it's what you said. When you ask a question, uh, people aren't used to being asked those kind of questions. They're not used to having that come back at them and have to think and say, wait a minute, what can I do? And uh, and I find that very same thing is there's that block that comes up where they're like, well, how do I get past that? 
And I believe that it is so important as well that our kids are actually taught how to solve problems. It's more than just saying, you know, set a smart goal and go for it. They need to be able to understand that, when, like you said, when those barriers come up, what are how beginning with the end in mind and what uh, can you do to take that one step closer? And those are things that they don't intuitively just know. And they and we and I think it's an unfortunate that we assume that sometimes that, oh, well, you set a goal now start working towards it. And and it's just <laughs> not that it's, it's not that intuitive, is it? It's not. It's not. It's not like learning how to walk. Right. Or learning how to crawl or sit up or any of those behaviors that we learn how to do innately. It's yeah. just not the same. Yeah. And I think that's why, um, you know, as a traditionally solution focused therapy says it's not a goal based therapeutic practice. And it's not because there's no goal set. It's because right. it's not the type of therapy where someone's going to come in and they're going to get uh, goals and homework and go home. And the reason why is because it's actually more hope oriented. It's saying, what is your best hope for the future? Because if someone sets a intention based on their hope, mm -hmm. they can see the pathways clearer. They can see the how to get around those barriers. It's like their own mind begins to say, wait a minute, maybe if I try this, maybe if I try that, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden we don't have the students with the blank faces. They're coming and saying, I tried this and it didn't work. So I'm going to try that. You, you, you know what I mean? Have you had that yes. experience? Yes. Not, um, not yet because mainly my work now is with adults and not in the schools anymore. Well, you probably um, see that aha moments with us adults. <laughs> <laughs> With the adults, though, yes, when they um, think about, you know, that just really, again, it just really makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so forward thinking, which I think right now our kids really, really need uh, and probably all of us, too, in the building and working, trying to make sure that students have the best outcome ever. It's just forward thinking and it's positive thinking. Yeah. And um, which in like you said, it gives you the momentum that you need mm -hmm. to actually move forward and try some things with your life. Yeah. And I think that we need the encouragement to try new things ourselves. I mean, how we get so stuck in our ways, you know, and that's why it's so important that you do the work that you do because it's kind of like it's hitting the source because yes. if we don't change how we operate, um, not only as educators, but also as parents and and change agents, if you will, if we mm -hmm. don't change how we operate, then we're just kind of repeating the same cycle of, uh, focusing right. more on the problem and, oh no, we have this big problem and you're thinking, but you know, a hope for the future means that we're actually looking for the things that can get done, not the things that happened so much in the past. Yes. And the other really nice thing about that is um, that we aren't looking or expecting things to always happen to us, yeah. that we are able to, when we think about what's our hope for the future or what's our hope, that it's personalized and it speaks to us having some control over what, what we decide to do and what we want to do. And that's not to say that um, there are things that will never happen that are out of our control. But one of the um, the, the great, uh, what the research says, though, about 
hope and, and people with hope is that they have a higher self-efficacy and understanding of um, how they have a hand in, in bringing things to fruition or yeah, bringing and that's goals basically, to fruition. And that's basically what the self-advocacy for those that are tuning in and they're just like, oh, there's an education talk for our, us parents out there. It's basically just having the ability to feel confident enough to stand up for yourself and yes. your needs. And, you know, yeah. and, and it's, it's so hard because they feel like, am I going to answer correctly? Are these people on my side? Are they, are, does it even matter? You know, this yes. internal dialogue goes on and then yeah. their self-advocacy goes mm, 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 down, down, down. Yeah. And so having them feel that, that sense of hope and building hope in their life. It's showing them how they can see a light at that other side and that they do have the ability to move the needle. Um, then all of a sudden they're speaking up in the right way and saying, well, if I had this, maybe I could get this done and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's kind of like it squashes um, victim mentality. <laughs> yes. Because you understand that you have a locus of control. Mm-hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that's huge right now, kids, everybody, but you know, they come in and they just want to be the victim. They want to say, well, this was done and that was done. And this is why I can't. And, and we're saying, let's talk about why you can. And I'm interested in hearing about, I know that we've talked in the past in this podcast that we can actually look at the level of hope where someone is using a hope scale. And then what are some things that adults can do to help kids move towards hope? So helping students understand, understand how to think about the pathway. So the options to actually achieve okay. and, and actually sitting that like, so that's, that's some intentional work. And I, I have two, two daughters, um, the oldest though, she's 27. And then my youngest is 18. So I'm about to be a free bird in just a second. Oh. Um, but I, I, I feel like in my parenting experience, you know, when, when I look back that I talked about, um, I talked about, um, I'll, I'll just use goal setting as an example. No, let me use a real example. All right. Homework. All right. Studying. Ugh, so when my, when my oldest, sometimes when my oldest was um, maybe second or third grade, which is about the time that they kind of really start having some homework or, you know, maybe tests. I, I said to her one time, go study. And then she went off to go study. And then I said, who taught her how to study? What is she doing exactly to study? <laughs> I didn't teach her how to study. That's not always what happens in school. That was a really big aha moment for me. Um, in terms of we 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 say things to our um, students and and to our kids, and we're busy as parents. Um, and then we forget though that it's not like learning how to sit up. It's not like learning how to crawl. And so we just need to sit and, and be very intentional with teaching those skills to our kids. Um, we have developed those skills over time. Um, but again, it's not innate to do that. So the more we can do with 
okay, this is an issue that's happening. What would you like? Like, what is your hope for this situation? And then thinking about the various ways that that hope can be achieved. And then in thinking about that, um, because it's something that's personalized and we're teaching um, students how to have flexible thinking, then we can really help them understand how to move forward. But again, one of the biggest things to me is making sure that they understand how to navigate the barriers because there there's so many times that that we get stuck. So think about just like if all of the people you knew who went to college, right? And then in December, so many people go home and they don't come back. Um, and in the spring, they may go home and not come back. And it's not a lack of intellect. It's not a lack of intellect. There's so many other things happening. And then a lot of times understanding how to navigate the the buildings in college, the systems in college, the different offices in college, who's doing this, all of that can become extremely overwhelming. And our students don't understand how to navigate some of the simple systems. And sometimes it can be as simple as asking a teacher for makeup work if they've been out. I mean, I've had high school students come see me before say, I need help getting my assignments that I missed when I was out sick. Um, So it's just being very intentional about thinking about, okay, this is, these are the steps that you can take. And if that doesn't work, then we, we can try these steps. And if that doesn't work, we can try these steps and then helping them see that they can also come up with those steps after we model that behavior and then just really helping them understand how to navigate what what needs to happen. So I think that's one thing we sometimes miss um, in the hustle and bustle of being a parent mm-hmm. is being very intentional on teaching um, students how to um, set pathways and, and then definitely with the problem solving piece. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like you said, go study is totally different than I'd like you to spend 10 minutes reading this and then talk to me about what you read, you know, and yeah, it takes a few minutes longer, but then they can conceptualize. They say, oh, that's the pathway to get there. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I've been there on many, and I want to talk about barriers as well, but uh, before we do it, you made me think about something that I've been working a lot with my high school daughter. And I've seen a gap in many uh, kids is that, they're not intuitive about how to communicate right now. And, uh, and you know, being that here I have a podcast that's mostly about strengthening uh, relationships and, you know, growing stronger with communication, here my daughter sometimes freezes up at the things that are most, to me, seem so intuitive, you know? And I have to step back and say, you know, when I ask her to go and... Uh, you know, go talk to your coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, That to me is all the steps just come right into my mind. But to her, go talk to my coach seems ridiculous. Like what now I'm going to, then she'll automatically like maybe have her head down or mumble or, or say only two or three words, or maybe can I just text them? And especially after our kids going through the pandemic, we have all of these gaps in communication and anxiety around basic conversation. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's another area that we can help kids know that there's a pathway towards that and teach them the steps 
and have them understand what what are you going to say first? Then what are you going to say? How are you going to look? What's your body language going to be? Right? I totally understand that. And, um, and, and practice that convert, practice conversations like that with my daughters, um, especially when they were in elementary school. You know, sometimes the students may come home and your kids come home and, and they say, well, you know, mom, my teacher thought I was talking yesterday, uh, yesterday in class and I got in trouble, but it wasn't me. And then I would say, let's talk about, let's talk about that. Um, I think you should go talk to your teacher, but not in front of everybody. I think you should say, hey, you know, Mrs. Such and Such, um, I want to talk to you about what happened in class yesterday. When's a good time before school or after school? And then that way your teacher can say, can tell you when, or your teacher may say now. And then when your teacher says, yes, let's talk about it, then let's talk about what you want to say. And then let's practice verbalizing that. So we would have these little modeling, you know, communication sessions. So no, it makes absolutely sense to me what you are talking about. And um, because I've seen it in my own, uh, my own children, and we just, we just, we just practice that communication. Yeah, I just, the part that's uh, always fascinates me is how how us, um, that we don't think about that through as a parent sometimes. Sometimes we forget, like you did about the homework. Like, why why do we not realize this? It seems so obvious when we talk about it. It does. What we do, just busy. I think just busy, just busy. And then we just forget. It's been like, you know, it will have been 20 years or 25 years or so, you know, that so that, you know, we needed to initially learn how to study or do some of those other right. uh, skills. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> but it, when we go back to those basics, it's kind of like when we see that light bulb come on in somebody else to, and then they take hold of it and then they have the hope and they say, oh, I had this problem, but I went to the teacher and I said this and I said that. Then you can come alongside and celebrate and be like, look at all of that that you just did. That's amazing. Yes. And you feel so good about yourself. And the great thing about that is it's, it's a, it's a natural high, right? It's a natural high where you, one, um, saw that you could, you could do something, you could achieve something, you could set that goal and that you actually were able to move through and accomplish it. That that's just what the winning moments to me are made of. And it's actually how we grow the competence uh, and the confidence and the skills in our kids. And that is the first half of my conversation with Dawn. In the next episode, we're going to dive into how hope and higher levels of hope can help kids achieve in math. We're going to talk about belief, It's just, this conversation is just getting started. You will want to tune next week. Some people might ask, how do I make sure I don't miss it? You do that by following the show. Look for the drop down wherever you listen to this podcast and follow the show. It makes it one of your favorites. And don't forget to check the show notes because I'll put all the helpful links right there. Easy for you to get. Now, if you are ready to build your hopes, remember, I've created a journal just for you that's on sale now on Amazon. It's called 30 Days to Higher Hopes. It's an interactive writing book that takes you step by step using the science of hope. It has a hope scale in it and you 
are going to love it. So hop over to Amazon and get yours today. And until next time, live solution focused.